what should we talk about? Or should we say like a welcome? Just a brief welcome? For like anyone listening? I don't know, is, is anyone actually listening into the podcast? Who knows? <laughs> um, I mean... Yeah, we're just three engineers, uh, three friends, three, oh well, two university students. One of us has graduated. <laughs> well, not yet. He hasn't received the piece of paper, but technically That's has. Right. Yeah. We like hanging out to the late evenings because our conversation sounded interesting enough and maybe people who are going through what we've went through, hopefully some of what we say will be useful and otherwise things will be fairly casual, fairly generic toss around some fun topics and yeah we don't really have any real expectations we just were chatting late one night and decided hey why don't we just hit record so here we are yeah. and welcome to our conversations <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day this will amount to something but i'm happy to nice. say like this will, this will be a good start so welcome to our little podcast i suppose yes yeah hmm. we have some like random topics Basically, we have this crappy Google document that, like, so, okay, wait, (laughs) I should say, I'm Arthur. I am Ed. And I'm Daniel. So now you know who we are when we're talking and our voices and stuff. But basically, we have this crappy Google document. Daniel threw it up at, like, in the afternoon this today, and he asked us to filter it up with things, and then we didn't, because... Well, I don't know why, but we're, we're um, busy people, right? Yeah, like, that's right, that's right. Yeah, uh, but we've got some, you know, scrawlings of ideas, and basically, only one of us, the person who wrote it, probably knows what the idea is. And so, whatever we choose, that person will just have to explain it a little bit before we start the conversation. Hmm. How do I, how do I pick? Just choose one. It's up to you, my man. Okay. Well, based on the random number generators, uh, internships first. Oh, fuck, that's like is. the worst idea on. <laughs> that was like the one. least formed one. <laughs> well, we, can, we can go with that one. I feel like whatever no, no. we... Like, yeah, the right. reason we made this podcast for those listeners is we can choose any topic and we can basically, like, this is like a positive feedback loop here. Like, it's like, I'll say something, it'll spark something, and hopefully we don't go on too many tangents. That's why even if we get a crappy topic that isn't well thought through, in theory, it's like we'll be able to talk about it yeah. just because we have... We have a lot of lived experience in, in the things we talk about, I would say. All right, so I put that one down because just before we started recording, we were just talking about our days, and one of the tangents we went on was internships. It's a huge focus, at least here in sort of the Australian tertiary education scene, particularly for those studying engineering. It's like you kind of have to get an internship and do what you call industrial training uh, to graduate as, a, as an engineer. And so you kind of have this culture of starvation in terms of being a professional where, you know, you look so cool when you get your internship and there's just such a a funny thing on the student side. But lately, because all of us has been working, we've also gained exposure to internships on the professional side, um, the people organizing them and perhaps how surprisingly not well put together those programs are. So depending on where you go, you know, we work with smaller companies and there's an interesting note on how each of our internships, like the way we got them was, was not traditional, the way they unfolded or the way they were run, maybe a bit, bit also non-traditional. So I just wrote down a dot point that said internships and then hehe. 
after that and a question mark of paid and, and unpaid or something that's a funny conversation in and of itself but yeah that's that's an explanation of that dot point was there anything in particular about the internships that you wanted to mention or was it just like the general experience of an internship we can start anywhere so like when we were talking about it before it was like general commentary of whether the company was taking advantage of the intern hmm. Yeah, some places like there's a bit of a culture where that's expected, you know, like there's a bit more of a power trip in the in the workplace. And so it's like, oh, you know, you get a need a coffee, just get the intern to do that. And it's like, mm. you think that's only on TV, but I've heard stories in other industries, mainly other countries where, you know, the expectations for work, it's literally like social expectations equals work expectations. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's like you need coffee, oh, the intern just that's that's yeah. their problem you know and yeah the, the reason for the intern is just to experience the, the everything that's happening on around them not actually do <laughs> that's right and or rather gain gain the exposure to the industry yeah 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 we were just talking about like exploitation funnily enough i i was reading australia has like some of the best employment laws regulations in, in the world so not the most lenient in terms of like how many days of leave paid you get under certain circumstances like sick leave annual leave maternity paternity leave europe has like insane numbers compared to us hmm. like there's a place i'm pretty sure you can get like half a year off or like way more <laughs> like three like two years off and i saw the number i was like no this can't be real you can't just get two years <laughs> off work like how does that even work <laughs> yeah no here it was like it's really good and we had this expectation that if you're an unpaid intern you kind of have to like be getting something else out of it or you can't be contributing to business activity it's like you have to be there for like some training program you have to basically be given a lot of value yeah. and are we I, like from our experience that definitely like that that rule gets bent quite a bit yeah we know that happens <laughs> it's, it's interesting <laughs> yeah i was i was going it's like we talk about our experience and experience represents this um and we have a couple of internships so both of my internships, I, one of them I got paid for the work that I did towards the company, but it wasn't technically engineering, but I did yep. do internship that was engineering, not paid. That was probably a bit less contributing to it, but of course what they were doing in terms of engineering was a lot less clear to begin with anyway, so it was hard to know whether you're even contributing to business as usual. Mm. Whereas for the second one, it was a lot more formalized engineering as such and they were actually building something so i got given a project packaged as a whole and is like go make this so it would be very easy for given that project to just sit there and do it and not get anything out of it um, mm. or get your own learning but internally and not basically get any value from the company and this was the unpaid one you're saying oh, well, yeah this it was easy one. to go through an unpaid internship and not get any value out of it yeah or particularly yeah. the way they gave this version of it i definitely knew i had to find the value myself um, mm -hmm. so, and and learn as much as i could through that but it's it's interesting how they had no interest in giving you the value uh, <laughs> essentially to put it as bluntly and down the value of it but what i did still contributed to the business but mm -hmm. it just didn't contribute to the day-to-day -day. it was just a you made something that was intended to be used in the future. Yeah. See, like, that's kind of interesting that you mentioned that because I see this, like, a little story, right? And you have good players and bad players. And 
I guess that's how you can paint these ethical questions with paid on paid internships where, you know, the company, like you can kind of see them a couple different ways. I'll describe the first scenario. A company needs to survive. Interns are an easy way to survive and not pay much money. So company naturally wants to exploit their employees and whoever they can to make progress as much as they can basically get the highest return on investment. The government exists with all of its powers to say, look, companies don't be bad. All right. (laughs) That's a simplistic (laughs) way of looking at it, but yes. Well, I mean, for those of you listening, I have this translation system in my head. It helps me a lot day to day and it simplifies a lot of interactions down to these simple stories that, (laughs) you know, help me split decision, react to to things. Uh, But so, so you have the government who says, hey, bad companies, don't be bad. Be the, the bare minimum. <laughs> you have good companies who are just like, oh, you know, we care for the employees and whatnot. And these, these, these interns or these people, it's like, I wonder whether it's like some people can see it as the individual's responsibility to pursue and, and, and extract that value out of their experience, which, you know, it, it's, it's uh, skewed. The, the benefits are skewed towards people who are proactive, who are outgoing, who uh, get over things. It's just like, oh, get over yourself. Go ask for that. Um, mm. For a lot of us, it's, it's a trivial problem. And then on the other side, you have, no, the company needs to take care of its people. And yeah. people can't fucking take care of themselves. So, of course, the company's got to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So those are the two ways. You know, two extremes, at least. Yeah. Um, I mean, the same could be said for society, right? Like, well, you're, yeah, you either have yes. dog eat dog anarchy, <laughs> everyone for themselves, or you have socialism. Jesus. <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, the other, yeah, the other sort of more ethical thing to state about that is that, like, you know, some people believe in investing in people because, like, you, you put time and effort towards developing one person's brain or whatever. Mm. I mm. feel like maybe that their vision is all like oh like we created this in-depth internship program we really want these people to continue working with us so we're gonna invest all this effort to make the best experience possible so that they can grow as an individual and actually become valuable future employees yeah. whereas in others it's like oh we need this done we can open up this program and that's mm. that right yeah and they, they usually have no intention of hiring afterwards yeah yeah, yeah. Unless there's like some standout crowd or something, eh? Yeah. You get a really standout. I mean, even then, especially smaller companies just won't have the money even though they put the mm. thing out there. Mm. I might add at the end of the full unpaid internship, there was someone said, the manager mentioned to me saying, be good if you could take more, expand your learning yourself, which is an interesting comment to make from mm. an internship perspective. Yeah. And it was just a feedback session required by the uni. So it, it's, it's an interesting thing there in terms of working in thing. It's good that you can learn things yourself when you need to. Um, yeah. But on the other hand, when you need to extract value from that, it's, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting point. I got, I got a bit surprised hearing it myself saying, it's like, but I needed to. I needed to get the experience from other people to, to understand how to do it. That sort of is part of it is like how they come from their perspective on how they think. Mm. You know, I always think to myself whether there should be more people who are that like outgoing type who can seize the day opportunity type thing. And I guess like traditionally speaking, it's like that's what is seen 
as the ideal, right? Like go get a kind of person. But the more I think of it, it's like, if you, if you just tell everyone to do these things, it's just like, it does create that situation that I mentioned earlier. Like it's fully skewed. The world will be skewed in terms of success. And mm. the person who just unfortunately doesn't have that quality that they will be behind full stop. So I guess that it makes sense. We have this balance. Cause I used to yeah. think, oh, you know, you should be outgoing. You should be the, but like, I guess if everyone was like that, if that was sort of the, the norm, the centric. Yeah, exactly. The norm. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it goes back to the idea. You need a balance. And yeah. yeah. I mean, there's always a distribution to like all the different programs and, you know, there's some are like very lenient some are like going to take you along on a lead and some <laughs> are, like very much like hands off. But I feel like, obviously the intent of the system is that as a minimum standard everyone's getting certified or approved one way or another regardless of what program you went in. i don't know it, there's always going to be that sort of variety though but the individual person always has the largest influence on how much value they actually extract out of it i feel that's true. you think so like, i reckon i'm not disagreeing i'm getting you to ex- expand on <laughs> ideas <laughs> well like I feel like people that are at least somewhat conscious of what they're doing, right, as like a mildly sentient human being would have some grasp of at least what they're doing and how valuable it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I feel like that is mm. that is definitely 100% yes, but maybe the framework on which they map it out is something that we aren't taught. Um, it's something that we kind of have to abstract and kind of figure out for ourselves, which is obviously the hard bit, I guess. And I think, like, I totally agree with Dan in terms of I do think one of the unequivocal things that I just use as a guiding North Star is that control is good. Control <laughs> is literally like all important. It's like the all-seeing eye, right? The less control you have, the more, you know, someone else can fuck you over just because you decided not to take control over that thing. Yeah. And I, ever since a young age, I took this to an extreme with work and it was just like, I don't care. Like the career that I'm going to die with is going to be working for myself, entrepreneurship. I want to raise my own company and have control over that. And it's like, obviously more responsibility, more whatever control. And I like that idea personally, um, Mm. because I'm in charge of like my destiny, so to say, but that's an interesting like idea, Mm. isn't it? (laughs) It is. It absolutely is. Do you mean, just to clarify though, do you mean like control of your own destiny or do you mean like the institution having control over like the overall scheme or trajectory? Well, I think like control over what affects you, like what you value. So if you value your standard of living, that's correlated to how much money you earn, that's controlled by whoever pays you. In an alternate world, obviously there are, you can say this within reason, like if you run your own company, it's not like you can just pay yourself however much. You, the company obviously has to take care of itself. And there are rules around that too. But my thinking there is that, okay, what pays you? Whoever pays the company. So your key role there is like, okay, how do we make sure the company keeps doing business? It's like, you can't ask those questions in your daily role because someone else who might be rising faster than you just because they're liked a little bit better, you've just been got, you know, you've just been rubbed by the system. (laughs) And that's where like, if you as an individual are mildly sentiment, aware of the value you bring to the table, control that value and and you can try and control more and more of what makes you and and how i guess you work i think that can't be bad but there will be a lot of people who disagree with me i think yeah yeah interesting it is a bit of like handing people the torch and letting them lead their own thing but i also think that's 
only reasonable because these people are supposed to be adults you know these people are supposed to be individuals that have some level of control and like exactly if they can't even do that then they're students they're not adults in my eyes yeah and so the problem herein lies that we are not as you exactly just said we're not taught yes. to do any of this stuff well True. How, we're not taught on like even communicating what the value we have is or yeah how how do we navigate all that stuff it's like you have to be lucky enough to be surrounded with people who are obsessed with being a professional so much that you'll talk about it outside of your workouts you're like (laughs) i think you could organize meetings better i think you could reach out to people Mm. better and it's like i think we've all been lucky enough me particularly i mean both of my parents is weird i don't connect with them on many things but work and being able to navigate professional relationships with people that's something we can talk about for quite a while which is, you get a lot of people can say that's, oh no, drinking the Kool Aid, toxic, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't know, man. If you just naturally can talk about it, it's like, actually, can't be. It's a very, like, healthy, I think, interaction. Mm. Um, mentorship from your bosses or your colleagues or whoever. It's like, that's also fairly yeah, healthy. That, that kind of bounces into the yeah. self reflection thing. Even having the moment to evaluate it is enough. That I think a lot of people don't actually do is, like, actually have that evaluation. I didn't do it for absolutely ages. So mm. I'm one to blame, but like, <laughs> I think that definitely ticks on that box of like, oh, like if you actually just spend five to 10 minutes a day, just actually thinking about it, like, oh, you could actually be mildly sentient. Like, yeah, you could actually understand what's going on. Yes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Dude, I love yeah. that phrase, being mildly sentient. Like sentience, like, <laughs> that's just like, it implies that like, this thing that we assume everyone has because we're human beings, it's like, sorry, I don't have it. <laughs> it can be but a real challenge. It can be a real challenge to step back and look at, it's like, here's my progress. And actually even yeah. then communicate that to people around you. It can be a real oh challenge to, yeah. and to, and then to also step back and look at, okay, that person might be going through this process and trying to convince them to communicate to you is even harder on the top of that. Yeah, right. There's that that back and forth communication of here's my whole mental state, not just what I'm thinking at right now. Yeah. Well, that's why I said it seems so tightly related to privilege, whether people like are able to build that skill or not. Privilege. Yeah, because in my view, if you're more privileged, you will be surrounded by other people who, Mm. you know, operate in this, what you can call, I don't know, professional spaces be able to reflect on how you work and that kind of thing i think that depends you can see some very privileged people in the world who cannot yeah. reflect on how they work and how they interact with people around them. of course you know it's not a blanket statement but no. generally speaking because you do have like people who aren't privileged who just like fully know what's up and some of those people make the best entrepreneurs the best leaders yeah yeah uh, absolutely. because they know what's up I would say, yeah, it is the people you have around you that really affects sort of how you can look at yourself because you can learn from them and then they make decisions around that. Privilege allows you to speak to more people because you're spending less time focusing on living and more time focusing on interacting with people around you. Privilege and sort of free time in that way. You get more of that time. But then you have to make the decision to do that. Even if you have the means to talk to other people, you have the means to not spend all your time working on a on something that doesn't talk to other people and you just have to need the money because you need to live type thing yeah if you have the free time to go elsewhere you actually do get the opportunity to spend time with other friends to 
expand and expand the perspectives and the people you meet yeah but you have to make that choice and and well even thinking about going to uni like mm. i feel like that's an incredibly privileged thing to do especially go to a prestigious uni the people you surround yourself with it's like different circles yeah. they're mm. arguably i mean i think they are on different tiers like people will say oh that's bad you know classes are no it's, it's different true, styles <laughs> it's different styles different values but like people rank these things in their head like i literally sat in a meeting today when someone looked up the degree on linkedin of someone that was just like out there in the world and you have to deal with and they were like man that's worrying you know they don't have a background in this because their uni was not the uni itself, but just what they studied, which makes more sense. But you, you kind of get what I'm saying. Like I've been told explicitly by other recruiters as well, that just because you go to this uni, we have a bucket to land these people in and certain buckets are bigger than other buckets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could say that extends past the entire education system for like primary and high school. Like, Oh yeah. Oh, the whole selective school system. Oh, that's uh, always a fun one. That's particularly big for yeah. Sydney and Australia. It is. Selective, private, and yeah. then public school system as well. And there is versions of that around the world, but it's different mm. in a different way. So my understanding is the public school system in the UK, I could be completely wrong, it's better, but it can be really hard to get into them. Mm. Well, there's this interesting idea. And this might even segue to one of the, the ideas that's on the board. It's called life on rails. So we're talking about like growing up in, in this system and, you know, us three have been in this bubble here in good old New South Wales, Australia, and mm-hmm. being in Sydney, you know, a lot of people see as probably the real capital, you know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell my obedience you said that. No. <laughs> no. Don't tell my obedience at all. <laughs> Brazil, come at me. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I don't know anything about Melbourne. I haven't been there in such a long time. I miss but, it. I miss it. I want to go. To my understanding, yeah, I miss it too. Yes. To my understanding, Melbourne is the fashion and yeah. uh, oh, cultural it's the culture capital. Place, you know? It's the cultural yeah. capital of Australia, whereas yep. Sydney is the business and it's probably like <laughs> the real. <laughs> <laughs> it depends what you value, like we said earlier. Yeah. And I think we all know I value work because I can talk about it all the time. <laughs> no, so, I mean, here, we grew up under the system of, like, okay, anyone who's, I guess, of meets this privileged threshold that I don't know where it is or whether it's a straight line or a curve or some shit. But like, it's never well defined. No, it's not. And it's subjective as well. So depending on where you are in the society ladder or whatever, uh, you could go to primary school, there's even a pathway that blends you and if you're not even aware of it, it's like your parents are the ones deciding because yep. you could do testing that'll help you get into a better high school certain people may or may not get access to that and like depending on performance depending on how prestigious a school may be xyz it's like you go to high school we have a system for selective high schools where like each they choose people to go in yep. and then there are like your private high schools where the definition here wow. is that you can just pay the fees and it's actually to be higher I mean, it's even more kind of screwed than that because there are high schools that exist where you essentially need to enroll your child within two or three days or even within a week of being born. There you go. So some private schools require you either, you have to enroll that quickly or they let in old alumni to yep. the school with much more allowance for alumni yep. than they do for thing. And that can be a private school. So you need to be well off enough to go there 
and then yep. also need to be quick enough to either get in or be basically have someone who gone to the school, which it, it sort of highlights yeah, yeah. The, the whole sort of closed area that exists. Exactly. And I mean, I'm already thinking of another segue where like the education serves as a symbol more than the actual thing that you're getting, which is the bloody education mm-hmm, itself. Mm-hmm. That's why you have this mad rush. But anyway, <laughs> yep. oh, I'll push that yep. aside. Yep. And then you take more tests and then the tests decide, like there's a theme here. You take a test, it decides where you go. You take a test, it decides where you go. Go to university, you choose a, a course. And I guess like you have a little bit more freedom because you can choose what you're going to study, what industry you think you like. But I think that whole thing I describe as life on rails because you're, you're led to believe that your life can be this very simple set of decisions where like you know what the life cycle is, you know, mm. you learn something, you do the test, you get the result, it decides where you go next. And there's kind of like that cyclical thing that goes on. And I don't have any like real study or evidence to back this claim, but I mean, I really do think it lets people down when they're released into the, into the world. There's, there's probably a lot of examples that I can bring up, not backed by anything legit. We're just saying how like, okay, maybe grads are finding harder times to get jobs, high turnover rates in companies. People aren't staying at their jobs very long because they realize it's not what they want to do. But like the reason or the evidence might be different, but basically this idea of like life on rails and the rails, they don't extend into people's lives. I don't think society has gone that far, you know? Not yet. Some companies, the really big ones, do it well because they just replicate that yeah. system internally. So you get your test and you approve, get test approved. And yeah. some companies have structured themselves to become like these institutions to create a sense of familiarity as well. Hmm. And also I to foster ideas. For, I mean, oh, yeah. In some cases, unis are really good at fostering new ideas. And to replicate some of those, to just the ideas of discussing things is what they do. But some companies, while replicating that, also then, like you say, also replicate the idea of testing and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well... I'll finish my little monologue. It can come from good intentioned places with a company. Let's say a company realizes, hey, people are thinking this specific way. And, you know, they just notice it and they start experimenting with structures until it, by convergent design, matches or resembles that of the education kind of state. And they try and make things as similar because they realize it makes them better at what they do. Their graduates are enjoying things more because there's less unknowns or there's more structure. Great, all well and good. We all create this massive economy and it takes off. I think this means that like it's scary because it leaves behind these other problem-solving soft things that just are not related to this own contained system. It's like people aren't learning about how to manage relationships. People have a really fucked up view towards managing like their social life. And it's like, it's just not healthy at all. And people tend to make bad life decisions. Like, they're great as workers. But I think they'll tend to make bad life decisions and they'll question to themselves, wow, I've gone through my whole career and I haven't found or done something that I've truly felt passionate about. That bothers me deeply and I'm going to become really sad for the last 20, 30 years of my life or something like that. End quote. That's what I think. Well, I mean, there's always that whole, what was it, the gamification almost? Because like people play, Mm. at least my sort of vibe with the current education system is, it almost sounds like KPIs, you know, like you got this number that you have to reach and it's almost like a score, you know, like <laughs> a student has to work hard, you study hard or for what, or oh, I just want this higher number. Mm. And it almost detaches students away from what they're actually learning. And instead they think of it more as like a game of like, okay, mm. how can I optimize my studying? 
how can I study this particular thing? Yeah, to get to that get the increase number. that number. Like, this is a topic for another time, right? Like you could go on for ages about like teaching in general, but it's sort of just interesting how much like <laughs> the system has really changed. I don't know student minds away from the original values, and now it's, it's just become a gamification. I'm sure it's been that way for absolutely ages, and we're just seeing it from a perspective of oh, we kind of see the other side of it um, mm. to be able to make such comments, but. I find it so strange how like so many people just like only look at the numbers and like mm, yes i achieved a 90 out of 100 this this gives me immense satisfaction even though i don't know how to apply it at all and then that, that whole gamification yeah. mm. part of it i was gonna say i think sometimes um people take that though and convert it as like you must do mm. more hands-on stuff and so it's just an interesting thing of it's not just about you learn all these new skills is learning is like understanding the context of why you are learning everything what you are learning and like having more reason as to being excited about learning something rather than so learning it for the sake of learning it rather than for the sake of increasing a number and i mean it's mm. great and all to say that and it's good i don't know i don't know personally not an education person so don't know how to solve the problem of how do you convince someone to learn for the sake of learning without them just being excited about it but, yeah. See, that is an, is a question that I think may not be systemically solved, but culturally, like people tend to respect more in other parts of the world, to my understanding. That's why I opened this whole thing saying we live in good old Australia. These are things that are done here. It's my belief that, like in other parts of the world, there's a higher there's like an expectation to to take that seriously, and other people have been a lot more like. They're taken back by it, particularly just people I talk to who go on um, exchange. And uh, I don't know, I'd assume there will always be people who disagree with me. But like, it was kind of shocking to to also hear stories of them being shocked because they'll go to class and be like, wow, everyone actually like read into all the stuff they needed to and they were prepared. (laughs) And like, because that was the expectation. It's like, Mm. don't waste my time if you didn't, if you didn't, if you're not coming here to learn. Even, even just showing up to class, like. We've already had many instances of like, you know, within the first week of lecture, oh, like first lecture, 70% of people attend. And then second lecture, 50% of people attend. It's like, oh, people only come just to maybe hear about it. And then they just like, oh, yeah, the rest I can just like, I don't know, watch online, read somewhere else or whatever. That whole culture. And there is some argument to suggest that you should make make students want to, but then there's only a question you should Mm. just give them the respect to coming. It's kind of hard. Yeah. Well, that's where I reckon, right? Like, there's no no single person can really change it. Like they can do their best, but like if you're just too late in the chain, you're like beating a dead horse. You're gonna be that one guy who's gimmicky and cool, and that's your gimmick. It's like you're cool mm. because you have this you know fancy way, and you might inspire some people, which is noble. You know, definitely, definitely important. Noble. Mm. But I'm a person who's just like, oh man, like this this whole system is it's not realizing the potential here. Because obviously we have smart freaking people. And numbers-wise, it's like I was in this seminar, I don't know, panel, whatever, and these big wee industry dudes were just going like, Australia has like the, we are a, actually a really good at education. We pump out so many graduates who are so skilled in, in X, Y, Z fields. And I was just thinking to myself, I was like, damn, dude, I go to apparently one of the best uh, unis mm. for engineering. And like, I look around and I'm just like, if this counts as a graduate, dude, if this counts as like one of those 10,000 numbers that beats other countries, I'm just like, that's a low bar in my view. I mean, I have an even more skewed and more biased view on that because I, as a tutor, go and mark students' papers. 
and like we could again another story could go on for ages but when i when i hear those kind of talks like wow australia's really good education and like the output of students is really high quality yeah. it's on, on paper, paper. And, then, and then i go and read <laughs> you know these reports which aren't even formatted that the real formatted, <laughs> the writing styles in first person and engineering report and it's like I'm not sure anymore, you know, like, mm. so it's almost awarded me a little bit of pessimism over my future because now I'm like, mm, <laughs> these are the people that are going to yeah. be um, working with, working with, but also these guys are the ones building the machines of the future. And like these guys, some people really yeah. don't know the basics and it's like, oh man, like, I just want to try and help these people. <laughs> like, I like, I really am compelled to almost like organize like a, a separate private consultation with these people just so that like at least like these people know the basics that they're coming out of but then obviously i'm kind of denied that opportunity due to funding and whatnot it's it's just like oh man it's such a contradictory i don't know where that sort of contrast comes in maybe it's how the universities market themselves or maybe the people that are saying these kinds of things are seeing individuals that you know really are already excelling yeah yeah so I mean, I think they use like these global metrics and, you know, uni rankings and those are more so like when people say these big trends, it's like it is backed more officially than direct observation, which to me is also part of the problem because the people who make these measurements and whatever, it's like they're part of the freaking (laughs) system, which is already, you know, as I'm saying, not even a standardized thing. It's like there's some arbitrary metrics but then it's yeah. still measured on a local yeah site, exactly like, proper scientific yeah, i mean it's kind of hard to measure any of these things but yeah of course, yeah, of course. it is it is because they're also different and that's where in like you have layer on layer <laughs> true. Or... <laughs> true so i mean here's an interesting idea though it's like we talked earlier about how like the individual arguably might be the most responsible person who could solve this person it's like if you are curious if you want to learn and improve the rest of it falls into place. There are plenty of people who are willing to extend a hand and, and give you the path or give you the knowledge. Hmm. You just kind of need to want it. And I think that's a problem Daniel and I have ourselves, probably you too, Ed, because you've been in the student projects. Like, you know, there'll be a particular young guy who you think is really keen and you'll you'll try and help them out and show them the ropes, but they might just yeah. you know, not want it in the end and they might sort of give up or they well, won't they're not commit. ready yet or something um, like that. It's like, it's like yeah, definitely think exactly. Like it's like, he's, yeah, yeah. they're so now doing it... quite a bit of work now. It's like they're now up to it, but they just, mm. at the time, they weren't in the right mind space to really work hard. Yeah, I can imagine. And yeah, it was like, we talked about how, like, what I was saying, how I think it's the responsibility of, like, the individual to, like, champion that. Unfortunately, what's crushed, at least Daniel and I's optimisms, is that, like, there have been enough people <laughs> who just blatantly are okay with that not being the case for them. They're just like, I don't, I don't really want to improve. Well, I mean, you could say that more generally with just people that will accept the lives as it is. You know, there's, there's always a difference between people that try to game the system to make the most out of it, but they're still in the system. They're, like, taking advantage of, you know, what the system offers, but they're still contained within, you know, the system's boundaries or what society expects you to do. And then there are obviously individuals that see for themselves what they want, and then they at least map their own pathway out, which is kind of breaching the walls of what is constructed in front of you. And then there's obviously those mm. that just, just follow along. Like, like I often used to say, cogs in a machine common phrase (laughs) indeed well i i wonder if that's about like how we are like raised or like i don't know you know like that just there can't be a good thing i can't Mm. it's it's impossible for it to be good surely raising everyone with the mentality of welcoming curiosity and lessons 
life experience. That's going to be core. Oh, right? Fostering curiosity, fostering exploring and learning when you're young is really, really, particularly pretty well yeah. early before you even get beaten down by the high school <laughs> or primary school system, by the, by the by school reality. system <laughs> as a whole. Yeah, man, there's got to be. Because you think of like these, uh, like school as an idea, like forget the symbolism that it represents in putting your path, like education. Education is a mechanism to give someone like a new way of thinking or a new knowledge. And I see like we study engineering. Mm-hmm. I think we've all done a mechanics course already, like, you know, calculating mm-hmm. how forces hit each other. And like I'm looking at like courses around the world and it's the same freaking engineering 101. And like, you're just like the duplication of effort mm-hmm. here is insane on the scale of humanity. Dude, some other professional on the other side of the world probably spent just as much time making a course that you know maybe does one thing a little bit better. But like, it's like it's all just how I don't understand. You know, just, like, but a lot of these are built from the same textbook. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, okay, so someone started from the beginning, and the duplication of effort is almost reduced there because they're all working yeah. off the same material. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it's kind of whack to me. But aside from that, it's like we take that as an example of a well-established knowledge um, that we know how to teach because I look around the world and the format is the same and the concepts are the same. Cool. Well, mostly, you know, it's like obviously it peters off as you specialize. But like you, you talk about this fundamental thing, which is like inspiring kids, nurturing them to, to be curious from such a you know, preschool age, if you could say, that is arguably like the determinator for the rest <laughs> of their freaking life, right? It's like if saying that's core, cool, how is there not like a bigger push for that kind of, I guess, development? I mean, the solution seems to be, hey, I'll ship my kid off and get someone else to deal with it. So I'll ship them off to tutors, I'll, I'll ship them off to, to mm-hmm. art, like school care and whatnot, you know? But I think ethically or whatever the hell, responsibility-wise, it's like it's on them to be that person. Well, they're the best person situated to do that sort of thing. That's right. But they just don't have the resources or like the the guide to to teach this kind of stuff or instill this stuff, right? It's like, how is there not a thing like that? Because we didn't didn't really think about it, you know? I don't know, society hasn't thought about how to teach kids to be curious. It's like we haven't even thought as adults needed to be curious <laughs> until like the last, I don't know, 100 or 200 years or so. You reckon? Yeah. Legitimately. Beforehand, you were, you were, you were stuck in your place. You're, uh, I mean, it depends where you are and that sort of thing is developing differently all over the world. But at least my understanding of... European background is that you got stuck in like you were you were uh, a you were a peasant or, or you were a peasant <laughs> or you were a um like the Scottish names where essentially son of something mm-hmm. not just oh Scottish, my God, last true. names and that's uh, the last store. name yeah like so Stephen's son is probably son of a Stephen or at yeah. least that's what it used to be someone used to be like a, a guy called Stephen had a child yeah. and named yeah. their last name Stevenson or and sometimes it would be a profession. Like yes. You'd be like, Mrs. like Mr. Smith, and you were like, used to be, you had a family of blacksmiths or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, isn't that like caste system? Like, not, well, not, not exactly the caste system, but it's like same principle where you just, you're like put in a bucket and you can't leave. It's, it's just a bit different. They're both made of the same sort of ideals of like when you're in something, 
your family stays in that and the it's like the, the ideal the knowledge stays within the family and just keeps going for on and on right on. as opposed to a cast is where you're born from your family so therefore you are this person and because you were born and brought up in this environment therefore you will stay having these values and that's why you are in that cast and i mean yeah. that's a very simplified and probably slightly naive way of describing it but that's at least my knowledge yeah yeah and there is a difference between a caste system and a social hierarchy let's say or like the ideas of different professions are who you are as a smith or a person yeah. from this town or you know stuff like that but it's the idea of you're not curious about things you're not curious to change the idea of lack of change which mm. is sort of curiosity fights against that it, it's like it does well there's more to this than whatever my current situation is or whatever is happening right now the lack of that is what happened before and in large cases and i don't know whether i can give good examples of it but i think we understand is that mm, i mean yeah. part of that i i just had a thought about like the right in how like the development of technology and you know communication everything has enabled society to survive with fewer people devoted towards resource management or gathering so survival mm. as the production of resources for the sense of survival that being you know just general food and whatnot has meant that there's more time per day for people to at least spend that time being productive and thinking about things and maybe that's where it comes from right because you think about you know before like so many people would have to maybe make armor or make weapons or you know do some farming now so few people mm. have to do farming because agriculture has gone to a point where technology is just really good and is is still improving to this day and i don't know i feel like maybe that's part of it like what's enabled people to be curious but maybe that's just me <laughs> no i think well I agree on that. like i'd agree with that that you know less time you spend worrying about you know your lower levels of maslow's hierarchy it goes up right but we've gone we've come full circle to back to privilege exactly this is what's really funny, Dan, because you were saying these things. And the thing that made me crack up so hard was when you said specific, like, phrases, like, modes of making, or, like, but you basically almost said means of production. Um, <laughs> or, like, these fundamental economic theories. And, like, it, you know, these are popularized memes because of the communism meme mm. thing. Mm. But you go back to traditional economic theory, and it is does it talk a lot about, like, the means of production, how they're allocated, a lot of economists have analyzed, like, you can plot this shit on a gradient and you can, like, compare the gradients between different societies in history and see how they modernized and the, the effects of different industrializations. And, that, like, that's how one might, you know, predict or measure things. It's like a rule like Moore's Law. It's like past observation. You're like, oh, I think my transition account will double. And so, you know, it's like rules like that. I'm sure there's stuff like that that exists, but you're just cracking me up so hard when you're talking about, like, you were basically at the precipice of... Um, Seizing the um, means of production. <laughs> yeah, yeah. economic theory 101. and the means production. That's right. Hardly 101. 101 these days is, like, built on, like, a lot of, I guess, free market theory, which has already evolved from where, like, you know, this is, like, historical economics, where you're, like, you're talking about, yeah, your peasants and how many hours they worked and where the value chain went to and they were the means of production because they made all the grain mm. anyway yeah. that cracked me up so hard they were also the source of your source of your yeah, the whole army. nation yeah yeah exactly so your defense budget is the number of persons <laughs> you had <laughs> Which that's, is, a, that's uh, a dark very dark that one yes yes 
arguably hasn't changed. <laughs> well, we've lost a lot of people who essentially... I mean, unless you do conscription, there's a lot of people in the places that essentially just will not be... I mean, yeah, none of us, I think, want to be a soldier. No, fuck that. And so you've lost a large portion of your, your people, and what's your defence? Well, why it's not called defence budgets back then, and it is now, is because it's more based on money and technology that you develop. Mm. Um, and that sort of helps you interact with the world around you. Yeah. Oh, man, fully, fully, fully. We're on the precipice of seizing the means of protection. <laughs> well, not, not the seizing part. You could talk about, like, like there's this... That's why I love this story, the story of how industrialization and capitalism grew, that concept of how you could sell people these things and they were in such high demand because you would save so much time. Like you would never have to wash the, the clothes again manually mm-hmm. or bake this thing and we'll start a fire manually. It's like, oh, there you go. You have everything. Uh, you had industrialists who were like, okay, instead of making one device, I'm going to roll out this infrastructure. So like you have energy, you have plumbing. Well, plumbing was a long time ago, you know, from the Romans. Well, it started and stopped, so they didn't have plumbing after it. Like, it's, you know, the Romans the had plumbing, aqueducts. but then they fell. But then they fell and stopped using plumbing for a while, and we had some yeah, that's issues. True. We went back some, to shitting yeah. on the streets. <laughs> or at least Europeans did, I might add. Yeah, the Europeans. That's the, uh, that's the history we were taught, which is kind of fucked, but anyway. That's why I'm so fascinated by different, like, there's this whole concept of like the east and the west, which I do think it's a bit centric. It's quite polar, I guess. There's mm. like only two sides. I'm sure there's many other pictures in between. Yeah, well, that's why there's sometimes considered three. There used to be three superpowers. It's like Russia, mm. China, and the True. US. But it's even failing because India's a huge people, and Russia's not doing as much, and the whole world is kind of just changing. Exactly. Well, I wonder if you could technically say, and this will probably get a lot of flack, but like, so I don't know if we'll fucking publish this one. <laughs> Keep going. But I wonder, I wonder, right, if like these countries that you could say like, all of the colonized ones that saw external influence and were basically given a little bit of, it's like aliens giving you advanced technology to jump the route. It's like, you would say that's not really real industrialization, you know? Yeah. It's like the industrial story that created these really polar things that we see today. So a good example, financial system or the way companies operate. So in the States, the goal of the company is to maximize shareholder value. Undeniably, that's how the system was designed. That's how the that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to increase the value of your shares and those are held by your owners. So it's mm-hmm. all about that. In the East though, and in Europe, the emergent way business is done is focusing more on long-term relationships between companies and control and power rather than monetary benefits to your owners and the way that's manifested is yeah these like mega family trees of companies because they've bought each other and the one in the top is trying to continue their their sort of absorption of other companies into their value you could say network or chain, yeah. depending on how you look at it. But that's just so different compared to well, the other side of the world. In, in America, there are still big, large conglomerates that own oh, right, yeah, for sure. small but basically structures of stuff. But their like goal, I guess, still is for each individual thing, maximize shareholder value. Whereas, I guess I didn't say this clearer, with these larger networks, internally, they're more worried about their position in our hierarchy 
and working their way through that. Like, I guess here, even in a conglomerate, there might only be so much you can do before that goal of, of self-interest from a company perspective, it's like gets in the way of making these companies work together. Mm. Whereas in the other model, you're talking about like, they actually optimize ownership based on like decision-making to be able to make these companies do things with each other and like to, to an unparalleled capability then say and you could like compare and be like at an economic level who has the better gdp what results <laughs> in higher quality of living and you know those are the yeah. bottom lines that you can compare but at least but from I... the financial theory today it's like those are two distinct things that have like converged so like europe converged to this network thing to japan and, and asia have also converged to this network thing a lot of like western influenced places have the shareholder thing because yeah, like the Dutch East India Company who invented shares in the first place. It's pretty interesting, yeah. the, the whole background. Like that shit's like, it's just so much bigger than me. Yeah. So that's why I find it fascinating. But that's the picture. It's like yeah. East, West, right? It's weird to, to say but how like... not perfect. Oh, not at all, right? Not at all. Yeah. I actually reckon... This is why I love The Expanse because on Mars, there's this culture of the people on Mars. You have to survive against the elements because you're trying to build a better future to like yeah. colonize Mars and make it better. It's filled with curious people, engineers, scientists, people who understand that like there's something greater than them. Hmm. I reckon that's a utopia. Like people who are self-aware of this curiosity that we were talking about earlier, dude. Oh my God, that's <laughs> that's a bit of a... It's interesting. You you talk about The Expanse from the TV show. Yeah, yeah. Memory. you read the books, right? Yeah, the books from memory. They did mention that and it was nice, but it was painted them in a slightly different light mm. but it still it talked about it but in my opinion it yeah. definitely didn't focus more on that and it more focused on yeah their uh, the military yeah yeah <laughs> their military focus against earth i mean mars is the god of war right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i suppose you if you have more technical people you have more focus on sort of that curiosity and development around that you also have people who have curiosity into defending the thing and there's always going to be someone who says, we need to defend ourselves with sticks. <laughs> and there's always going to be someone who likes building sticks. Yep. Yeah, that's true. And if people, if you build a society around curiosity, you found other people who got curiosity into building better sticks. And I mean, you also found people who are interested in building the way of gluing two sticks together into a hatchet that's really good for mining <laughs> materials. Um, but then someone who is interested in just building sticks who then uses that gluing to make a really, really good stick. Yeah. And it's it's like, that's how you can found a curiosity in a society and still with mostly people who are not interested in fighting and still come out with a very heavy military focused. Mm. I wonder if we've learned our lesson about no. about wars and fighting. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so either. I, I think it has changed. And I think a lot of, I've he- heard way too many American things saying, oh, the world is... There's a new theatre of war in the cyberspace. Oh, wow. But I, I think it is probably simplifying the whole whole situation of... Because there's this whole... It's basically just human interaction. It's like, how do you interact in terms of sanctions, in terms of propaganda? And propaganda is simplified from, um, essentially, what do people believe in your yeah. own countries? And people's opinions are now really important. The opinion of everybody in a country... And a company, but anyway, in a country are really important for how governments perceive or how countries perceive each other. Because 
if you hear stories of essentially people being upset against a country another country <laughs> yeah then it's like that whole country is upset against you yeah that's so fucking dumb but if you can control that which does happen yep then it's another weapon it's another theater of war as such into to put it in a darker way and to put it in a way too militarized way it's i, I think it really should be another way of discussing between countries another way of interacting perhaps we can focus more on interacting as countries rather than fighting and it's all just negotiations and discussion but you know the united nations <laughs> which is apparently treated as a joke by uh, countries <laughs> is my understanding it is well it's it's i don't know it, it, it's not as yeah, i don't think it's a joke but yeah you're right it's not as united, not as, united as, as it suggests my, yeah <laughs> Like, no, it's not a joke, and my understanding is they've got for fairly significant military power if everyone agrees. Yeah. And fairly significant deciding power mm. because of the number of the value, but it is also dependent on the value of the people who run it. Yeah. And so it's, like, you know, it's not as united as you think. It's not necessarily as good-willed or good-ideaed as, as it might as it sounds, initially yeah. intention. But it's not the worst You know, idea. it's kind of hard to be. Yeah, that's true. And it's also not easy to develop a system that perfectly... I mean, it's not... I reckon it's impossible to develop a system that's run by humans and then also makes generally optimised most benefit-type decisions. Yeah. Where the discussion happens, like human-to-human talking mm. is just doesn't really work very well because you kind of each have to take turns to talk things. You each have to take turns, put your values forward, and you have to have that trading of values, of knowing how that person's reacting to your values and how you react to their values. And you have to, it's all about presentation and all that sort of thing. It's not all about presentation, but that takes into account and is all, is, is important and defines sort of how that works. It's just really inefficient, essentially. It's just super inefficient mm -hmm. and I don't know the proper solution. Oh. All right, I'll take the often way and I say AI might be the solution to that. That's literally what I was <laughs> going to say to you. Fucking computers doing really, literally everything, all right? And like, then nobody's happy, but yeah. Well, you start from the ground up. You go, okay, what is the smallest thing that a computer can run feasibly today? You go, a family, a household, their needs, super redundant shit. It's like, oh, what's empty in our pantry this week? And like, <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That's a problem that's being solved today. Yeah. But like, then you go, wait a second. We have all these households running on a system. We know the data, right? And then you have a bigger system that goes, oh my goodness, this area has COVID and like, they need these supplies more. Oh, whoop, mm. whoop, freaking woolies, way more stocked in that area, more staff doing uh, remote orders. And then everything, it's like, it flows. It's a, a but lightning it to... speed actually flow because the problem of this whole thing is like it would be great if it's all there and done it's like it's all beautiful oh it's a messy road like it's for sure. amazing <laughs> it's a messy if it's all road. there and done but like humans <laughs> like to insert themselves humans like to be there and doing the thing and it's such a messy road <laughs> to try and develop something like that and they're trying and some people are going that way and some people aren't mm. and eventually there will be more structured decisions and more ways of making structured decisions at higher and yeah. higher levels. Yeah. Until we well, hit the yeah. Well, like I mean, that's an interesting thing that I've been getting experience in or exposure to is how, like, what bodies are responsible for different infrastructures that exist. Mm. 
to some extent, like at the highest level, you could say the government actually creates incentives, right? And then the incentives get recognized by a bunch of random people, companies, and some of them might decide to form an industry group, like a working group, who collaborate with their own system. And then they might be several groups who compete for money in a collaborative yeah. research, or I can't remember what the name is, CRC. And, and it's freaking, yeah. oh my goodness, there's all these structures for that grants exist. And for... Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, the grants is the core incentive because that, that's what drives down your cost of, of making something new because it's very expensive to do that. Just subsidizes yeah. you basically that's right so like that if you want to say like that's how do people try and like all move in the same direction it's like that's one of the answers i guess mm. it doesn't guarantee that they all move in the same direction because they'll backstab each other to get ahead yeah. and you know yeah. be the amazon or mm. google that's <laughs> left standing <laughs> particularly the amazon but yeah yeah i find that really fascinating that, that's why mm. I, I'm really, really keen to think more like a technologist and to be able to be like, okay, this is a pretty sick broad sweeping like problem. Like let's go solve it and let's try and like navigate this cooked world of other people who want to solve the same problem. I would have already thought that like the startup would have been used in some way, you know, like whether it is, well, in in Australia, we have a census every five years um, and that's like one actually pretty decent way of, of capturing a lot of information but that's that's a yearly thing right it's five years so it's not it's not frequent and that one's are definitely oh, a yeah. more obviously long-term trend kind of graduate thing. but obviously i just yeah. yeah maybe maybe it's something that we don't hear but obviously companies surely the companies are dealing with the data in some way that like it's just under the blanket oh it's so hard though we need more data but then we also need to work with it more. We yes. need more algorithms to understand that data. And to be honest, the ability to collect data is so far more advanced than the, than the ability to understand it and <laughs> yes. process it. And that's the thing that needs so much more effort. I mean, that's why it comes down to AI, but AI is almost... The common usage of AI now describes such simplistic algorithms compared to what's actually needed to properly make more detailed decisions yeah like i know that even with data it's like the format is always fucking different and sometimes it's literally okay a lot of the time the job of a data analyst is to just like look at the columns and rows and be like hang on some of these are completely different and irrelevant or yeah some of these are just gonna break the system if you had automated the whole thing so it's true one of the major tasks of a machine learning engineer is to organize the data not to actually write the programs to run the machine learning algorithms no to simply just get it in the format that (laughs) the machine learning algorithm will accept yeah that's the most of their time see isn't that crazy it's like i i guess it's kind of cool because maybe you're shifting more and more work to like this you sit at a desk and you work on something with your head mm. kind of kind of vibe which i would think that skewing the distribution of all possible work towards that kind of work style it's pretty good because when you have covid it's like oh i'll just work from home today or maybe mm. in the future you have this super flexible way of working that gives people better work-life balance whilst you're boosting you know the outcome because you're a white collar worker you just sit at a desk. 
Yeah. But it's funny to think that, just like you, you said, yeah, <laughs> like, oh, they, we, they got the data. Surely they're doing something with it. It was just like, oh, fuck yeah, yeah. No. I wish, I wish. They are definitely not doing it. Yeah. Um, There's just too much yeah. of it. And it's, yeah. it's too, too randomized, the format. And, well, I mean, one of my tasks is the company I work for. Essentially, we, we were ta- we, they grabbed a bunch of data on one of their um, projects they were working on to understand and there was just too much of it and essentially they focused on the stuff they could read and look at clearly yeah but then there was some gps data that was gathered that was stuck on some sensors that nobody really knew what to do with and nobody had the time or focus to sit down and look at it or some video that was taken that it was like no one actually sat down and looked at it and now we're speaking like five, six months in after the data was gathered, and only just now are we even extracting it into a way that can be even just interpreted. Nice. Let alone grabbing out information based on it. And one of my tasks was just simply to extract the data. Yeah. And just, no, even just extract it. It'd be nice if we get some information, but no, the point is extract it, and that's a hard enough job of itself. That's where I mean, there's a lot of opportunity. Like, mm. man... I really hope that, at least in this short term, by that I mean like one, two years, I learn enough to be able to take advantage of these opportunities that I see to, to build something really cool and like recognize that, yeah, I don't personally need to have the expertise to build it. It's like there are other people you could get for that. You just need to have the willpower and like the, I guess, go get entrepreneur spirit of just <laughs> making it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the understanding of the actual framework that goes behind it. Oh, you pay someone else for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or convince someone else, you know. You don't have to pay them. You just be like, hey, this is a great idea. Come join me. Yeah, I mean, with a good vision, that's always possible. 